Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Commercial Connection Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer Taylor with Mill Creek Commercial. Happy to have you with us today. Thank you. Where I'm at in sunny Salt Lake City, we just got like, we just got hit hard by a heat, like a heat wave. And now it's kind of cooling down. So I've been swimming a lot. I hope your summer's going well. It's great to have you here. We have a special guest today, um, Sean Ross, a director with 1031x.com. Sean has recently become a good friend of mine. Great to have you on the show, Sean. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Spencer. I appreciate it. You're a puppy dog owner. <laughs> That's right. You're a husband. You're an author. What else are you? Uh, a, a bit of a, a hopeless tech enthusiast. Uh, you know, if, if everybody has their like, uh, like dream avatar, I'd, I'd be Tony Stark without some of the personal <laughs> foibles. Uh, yeah. So, uh, my, my, my wife is a, a medical student and an author in her own right. And I've been a, wow. an author and now working in the 1031 space for a while. And as you referenced, we just got a third dog. This one's a very small and, um, eager puppy. Okay. So three dogs. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to dive into a little bit of my personal life just for a yeah. second here, and we can exit this whenever we need to. But we, so a year ago, we got, we got kitties, we got kittens. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them hooked up with the alley cat and so she had a litter. <laughs> All right. So we had two, and then the vet said, okay, expect a litter of four. Fine. There wasn't four, there were six. So we, so we had, we had eight, yeah, we had eight cats at one time. Then my sister-in-law moves in with us and we love our sister-in-law so much that we allowed her to bring her two cats with us. So we had 10 cats at one time. Mm -hmm. Unreal, man. Unreal. That's... But we sold them all. Our kids made a profit. Yeah, that's the type of people we are. We sell kitties for profit. But I like it. That's great. I feel like I've become an animal lover. Kind now, of. now, do the kids get too attached to the, to the kittens at some point? Is it hard to make that transaction? Well, they named them. And this, is, this was really interesting as a parent, because I, I didn't grow up with any pets, but uh, they named all six, like really cute names, like Camo and Mixie, and I can't even remember all the names. There's so many of them, but uh, they, we sold the first couple and they thought they were gonna be sad, but then they got like, you know, a $20 bill in their hand. And now, you know, maybe, maybe I created the next generation of capitalists there all right. They were like, well, let's just keep breeding and see where we can go. <laughs> Build the empire. It was fun. Oh, it was a lot of that's fun. Precious. Lot. You know, they learn, they learn lessons in life, clean up after the cats and reward for effort. You know, it was good. It was a good experience yeah. for us, but yeah, yeah. never had a dog. Really? I see. I, I'm, I'm allergic to cats myself. So it's been the other way around for me. Yeah, I tried telling my wife I was allergic, but she she didn't buy it. But anyway, <laughs> so tell us, where do you live, Sean? Uh, very recently moved to Springfield, Missouri. My wife and I were up in Toronto, Ontario, where she was attending medical school when COVID hit and uh, when her school uh, effectively canceled. Um, we came out here to be near her family. The, the great Midwest. 
Springfield, yeah, Missouri, right. right? Springfield, Missouri. Yeah, Springfield, Missouri. That's right. I guess there are multiple Springfields out there. This one's yeah. Springfield, Missouri, which is uh, if if nobody's been in Missouri around the Fourth of July, I recommend it because they take that far more seriously than any place I've ever been before, and I'm fairly well traveled, so that was a fun experience. That's really cool. That's really cool. So, how tell us how long have you been in the 1031 Exchange world? So in sort of an ancillary uh, way for maybe 10 years, going back to some of my financial advising and, uh, and authorship, but in a more direct way since 2016, when I joined up with 1031x.com, uh, I moved down from Chicago to Denver to join them at the request of uh, my business partner and stepfather, uh, Stephen Hickox, who founded the company almost 30 years ago now. Wonderful. Wonderful. It's, it's a, it's a unique world. I don't, mm -hmm. there's not many little boys and girls who are like, Hey, I want to grow up and do 1031 exchanges. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like, we've been in this space almost for the same time you have a little bit less. Uh, we started up in 16 in 17, mm -hmm. excuse me. It's just been fascinating, fascinating, fascinating. So let's, let's dive in. Sean, I want to ask you, what, what are you seeing? What's, what's tickling your brain? What are you finding most interesting in the industry today with, with 1031 exchanges? Yeah, you know, during normal times, that, that's a question that someone might have to think about. But uh, <laughs> there's been so much interesting going on in the world that it feels like everything is a little bit novel. The, what we've discovered from listening to our clients and prospective clients over the last month and a half especially, is that there's a real uncertainty when it comes to the traditional assets that people have made before and feel, felt comfortable with until recent times. And I'll elaborate further that people who maybe really enjoyed the equities space uh, are deciding that they don't want to get waxed every 10 years with a huge recession or huge stock yeah. market uh, crash, or they think that market valuations are so uncoupled from the underlying reality that there's no reason the NASDAQ, for example, should have hit a record high, you know, two or three days ago, whenever that was. Um, so they're trying to fly maybe to real estate or if they're in real estate, but maybe they were in residential rentals or maybe they owned office space, uh, some more, uh, you know, commercial spaces that relied on a vibrant market activity or a nightlife, you know, where can they go that gives them some comfort because they don't know what the next six months or six years are going to look like. And, and to bring this point home, we talked with a gentleman who had run the same 118 unit complex up in Oregon for about 20 years, 20 or 30 years. Mm -hmm. And he ran it like clockwork. He just knew exactly who to rent to, how to manage it, how to schedule people coming in and out. Uh, it was, it was a, a beautiful thing. And then he told us that the legislation coming down from both the state and city governments was so, uh, landlord unfriendly that he couldn't find a way to operate the way he preferred operate anymore so he's moving to montana where there are where there are let's say relaxed expectations for how a landlord ought to operate his space that sort of thing is really really common nowadays whereas before i don't know that we feel about one or two of those calls a month not three or four a week well, well you know you we, if we were to rewind back to february Mm -hmm. There wasn't a multifamily landlord who wouldn't say, 
why are you not doing multifamily? It's the best. Yeah, Everyone right. needs a house. There will always be a demand. And then COVID hits and rents just, I mean, I'm not going to use the word plummeted, but mm-hmm. people stopped paying their rent. And, and they thought that the, the, the residential landlords, they thought, that, you know, even like duplex, fourplex, right? They thought they mm-hmm. were bulletproof. And now their tenants lost their job. And the governments are saying no foreclosure, no evictions, you know, for X number of what, whatever the right. time frame is. Yeah. And, and that, that extends beyond, at least from what we've heard, that extends well beyond just the multifamily space. Like, you know, co-op, uh, you know, co-work spaces or shared office spaces were a real big, especially in large metro areas, was a really big fad, I think, for uh, new commercial investors for a couple of years there. And I don't know if anybody's going to go back to work in a a shared office space anytime soon. It seems unlikely. There's just been a real, uh, an incredible change in terms of expectations that it's very difficult to evaluate on the fly. Yeah. 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 So what are you seeing? What what are most exchangers you know, where have their preferences shifted to? Yeah, a couple of areas that we really see interest in are, you know, a large chunk of our traditional client base really is in that just west of the Rockies, uh, you call it, you know, southern Montana through northern Texas. There's a lot of oil in that space. So a lot of people have sought out, uh, you know, maybe there's some mineral uh, rights they can exchange into. We've seen a lot of interest in medical spaces. You know, people have, I think, probably correctly thought that who's not going to have a, a, a lack of um, a demand. It's going to be somebody who's a medical office or a hospital, something like that. Uh, and we've seen interest in, um, if people don't want to go through the hassle of being a traditional landlord anymore, either because of aging demographics or because of changing legislative uh, agendas, then something that's triple net uh, or something that's maybe um, packaged together across multiple properties rather than just a single asset. Uh, those, we get more calls about that than we used to, but I would say largely we don't we haven't had, we haven't heard a definitive, this is what we're looking for from our clients. It's what should we be looking for as a question, as opposed to a directive. And that's been interesting on our end to obviously it's, it's hard to compile that information on a national scale. Um, but from where perched, it's been an interesting exercise for us to see if we can guide people appropriately. Um, I just got off of a call with a farmer selling farmland. Mm. And they do not want to touch multifamily with a 10-foot pole. Yeah. But you have heard like you know. I was blown away by that. I'm like, I just because you know, they're young, they're in their 40s. And I'm just like, well, okay, interesting that they said that, but the reason behind it was all just all the uncertainty. I think almost anybody who watched, uh, you know, small to mid-sized to large cities and metro areas grow since the last real estate crash, now about 12 years ago, they saw just the explosion of high-rise multifamilies, of yeah. condo spaces, right? Yeah. That seemed like such an obvious place to go for so long. And like that, that's no longer true, uh, which is, 
I mean, it, it affected the way that my wife and I looked for a place to live when we were exiting Toronto, right? We don't, we don't want to be somewhere, A, that's that close to our neighbors just in case this pandemic doesn't get a vaccine anytime soon. And uh, B, where the landlord's going to feel pressure to raise rents in the, uh, when they're facing uncertainty. So the, the demands are, are new and fast and furious. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you mentioned mineral rights, oil and gas. Uh, what 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 other what other interests do people have in when they're when they're looking for a replacement property? That's a, that's tough to say on a on a broad level. I think for the most part, uh, people want something that doesn't have as much exposure to single tenant risk. Yeah. Um, and, and that does extend to multifamily in its own way. Uh, but, uh, you know, unless they have, unless they already know that they're going to get, be able to rent to somebody quality, um, they're, they're looking for places that don't need as direct a management. And for a lot of people, that may mean leaving metro areas where they've invested before. Uh, I've had conversations with, uh, um, I'll just call them deal makers, for lack of a better term, people that try to source properties uh, outside of an investor's comfort zone. And mm -hmm. they've seen a real uptick in terms of um, uh, interest for, well, put, I'll give you an example. Talking with some investors in Kansas City who have been in Kansas City or you know somewhere along the I-70 strip for you know the past 10 or 15 years, and they really wanted to go to Arizona. They heard Arizona was a hot ticket. I, we've heard a lot of good things about Arizona as yeah. an investment space lately. Um, so they were looking for a something that wasn't exposed to a single tenant risk. And uh, uh, B, um, they didn't have to fly out to manage every time it's from a leak or a fence needed replacing. Yeah. Um, so, there's going so we all know the deadline the the July fifteenth deadline's approaching quickly. I just realized mm -hmm. it's the 9th of July. Yeah. My taxes are due, so I got to figure that out. But a lot of people have waited for the last moment to identify to hit this July fifteenth deadline. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, going forward, we don't expect in any way, shape, or form that there's going to be other extensions. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't believe so. Although I was proven wrong on this a little bit, you know, a few months ago when I said, if we see relief, it'll probably be something in the form of an additional, like in the past, they've given people an additional 100, and 100 days or 150 days on their yeah. extensions. Um, and the relief that we did get, this was back um, uh, in, in April, was quite unorthodox and poorly explained. And this is a bit of a pet a pet, pet peeve of mine, the IRS, when they, when they provided 1031 relief earlier this year, nowhere in their release did they use the words 1031 exchange or deadlines or tax relief or deferral. Th those words weren't in there. It, it, it took, I'm, I'm sure, a fleet of well-trained attorneys and CPAs across the country to come to a consensus that, yeah, in fact, this means 1031 exchangers get some relief. Yeah. With, with some parameters. I don't expect that we'll get another one of those, but um, predicting is, isn't my uh, speciality. Right. So, so th but there's gonna be people 
here probably in the next couple months that are wanting to do a 1031 exchange, perhaps they have a, they've listed a, a replacement a relinquished property, which means mm-hmm. that's the that's the one they're going to sell, and then they're going to move into the replacement property. And, and so, what talk to just give some counsel like what should they be mm-hmm. doing today in preparation for their 1031 exchange? Yeah, so so for people who had sold and had been relying on the extensions, let's say either your 45 or 180 days were extended to July 15th, and you're checking the news every day to, to see if that's going to get extended again, I would I would counsel to not hold your breath. It could happen, but I think it's unlikely. And uh, instead, just to uh, work with whoever your tax advisor is or your qualified intermediary to see what options are available to you just in case you really have to make a decision in the next week. For people who are thinking about selling or who have just sold a, uh, a relinquished property and want to do a 1031 exchange, I'd say there's no penalty for starting an exchange and not completing it. If you don't feel comfortable about the investment environment, uh, know that you, you retain maximum flexibility by at least starting the exchange process and begin looking for your replacement assets long before you sell if you can. The hardest part for almost all 1031 exchangers is, especially if you're new to this game, is that 45 days, that month and a half flies by quick. And if you don't start looking before you sell, oftentimes you're gonna feel the crunch and that changes your leverage when you're negotiating for a replacement property as well. If the seller is savvy and they know you're doing an exchange, uh, they're not gonna negotiate with the same kind of dexterity that they might have uh, if you didn't have that deadline bearing down on you. So look look carefully for where you might want to invest and what could be your backup properties before you sell if possible. Yeah. You mentioned that there's no harm in starting and you only have upside if you start. You're talking about before they sell their, their property, right? That's right. Because right. once they sell, a decision needs to be made whether yes. or not they're, they're, they're doing it. So yeah. If you're kicking just, just tires, repeating. Yeah. If you're yeah. kicking tires, kick tires with your QI mm-hmm. and then be prepared to make your final decision before you close on your investment property. Yeah. The one you're That's selling right. to do an exchange with. Good. Um, advice on, on if people are looking for a creative alternative, you know, you, you mentioned that a lot of people looking for creative, what advice would you give someone thinking of doing a non-traditional or kind of creative 1031 exchange? The first thing I would do is, is maybe check your priors and, and uh, broaden your perspective on first 1031 exchanges. Um, uh, 1031 exchanges apply to properties what the IRS calls like kind. Like kind is an incredibly liberal term. Almost anything is like kind as long as it's real property. And by that, we mean commercial property, residential property, single family, multifamily, raw land, air rights, mineral rights. Yep. Um, there are syndicated deals. There are Delaware statutory trusts. It doesn't matter if it's managed directly or if it's triple net. So broaden your horizons on what's possible and then really do the diligence. And, and by that, I mean, find people who know more than you do. This is something that I stress to my employees as well as my clients. Find somebody that knows something you don't and, and see if they can help you out. Um, all of our consultations, for example, are completely free and we enjoy going out and seeing what's available for our clients because we're gonna learn something in the process likely too. So um, 
to cast a very broad net and narrow based on specific criteria, not necessarily what you felt most comfortable with, say, last year or two years ago. I, I think there's, there's, we all need to go through this, like, this, like, self, like, this introspective, okay, what, what is it that I value as an investor? What does my portfolio need today that it didn't need five years ago? Mm-hmm. And, and can, am I able to see into the future what is it going to need? There's just this self-awareness of who you are as an investor. And I think I tell, you know, when we talk to people, you know, we do tenant in common. We do ticks. We think we're really good at doing ticks. We're really good at it. But there's times when we're not the right fit. And so I, I help people. I just ask them, okay, what do you value? And people tell me, I want, I want to take down the moon. Like, I want, I want risk. I want huge. I want to hit a home run. I need, I need this, these dollars to hit a home run for me. Yeah. Or I need to strike out. And, yeah. you know, and then I say, I, well, we're not a home run for you. <laughs> we're like a single or maybe a double, right? But yeah, um, let me, let me uh, touch on yeah. that for a second. Yeah. We, I would say maybe 10 or 15% of our clients, and this is maybe a, a larger share if you talk about clients who have been with us for, for maybe a decade or more. There's a real sense of if you're in the real estate space, you can be a shark in the water who's always looking for blood, right? There's always a deal. And if there's a, mm-hmm. if there's a bit of market uncertainty, you can capitalize on other people's um, uh, hesitancy or reduced expectations. And uh, speaking of hitting home runs, you know, borrowing rates are quite low. It may be harder to qualify now than, than it was, but um, there's a sense where you can use leverage to your advantage. What I tell clients like that is, that's fantastic. And we certainly want, don't want to discourage anybody that really enjoys the game. But you, you get to identify multiple potential replacement properties in a 1031 exchange for a reason. And maybe it's a good idea to look for a couple of backups that are uh, a little bit safer so that you can ride this one out and wait till something that really does strike gold for you shows up. And uh, it, the tick structure, which, which you referenced earlier, just like a 1031 change allows for a ton of flexibility, right? It's much easier to move in and out of a, of a tick structured investment than almost any other kind of partnership strategy moving into or multi-investor strategy uh, moving into larger assets. So if you mm-hmm. want to go invest in a, in a CVS um, or, or something like that, it, or a multifamily building or uh, you know, some other large commercial space, that's something you should really consider too, not just what are you going to buy and how, what kind of return is it going to generate? But how are you going to interact with your partners and, and potential other investors in a way that gives you guys maximum flexibility to make an adjustment in the future? Well, so I used to be jealous when I wasn't picked first. <laughs> like I used to, it used to make me really mad as a, as a child. And now we're, a Mill Creek property is often picked second or third. Mm-hmm. And check this out. A guy had identified us. We were his third choice. You know, you get three. You, you can identify three. Most people do the three property rule. He, he tries pursuing these two other properties. It takes him to date 176. He calls us on day 177. My two choices are gone. Do you still have that one property available? I said, of course we do. Yeah. And he, he was able to close and, and record the deed before day 180, right? But 
I feel like that was a turning point for me. Like, hey, we can help. If you don't think we can help today, maybe we can help down the road and identify us and maybe we can be of service. And so uh, take advantage of that three property rule, whether it's us or whether it's the shot in the dark, you don't think it's gonna happen. You have three to identify, so identify all three. Yeah, yeah, and this is, I think there are two versions of that story that we run into all the time. And and one is, uh, you know, what I, the property I found, Jean, isn't uh, isn't going to work out. It, it felt inspection, or somebody else bought it, or now the the you know the, the price just dropped a bunch, and it no longer trade equal or up in value, or you know, who knows? Yeah. Um, but it's day seventy, day eighty, day one hundred, and they didn't identify anything else. So at that point, you're out of luck, and that's really unfortunate, right? The the tax extension maybe didn't work for this guy. Uh, the other version of that is uh, they called us before their identification period ended. And for a lot of people, that identification just got extended to about a week from now, right? So their identification period is very much alive where it wouldn't have been given normal circumstances. And they still have one or two slots left to uh, list a replacement property. Yeah. Call your QI or call your agent and make sure that you have something listed there. There is absolutely zero downside to having an additional property or an additional replacement asset listed. Even if you think there's no chance that you're gonna get to that that property as a fail safe, it's much much better to be safe than sorry in this circumstance. Because for a lot of people, there's tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes on the line. Awesome. Sean, I love it. I love this. I, I think a nugget for anyone listening would be there's no dumb questions. There's no stupid questions. So call, if you have a creative idea, if you need, if you need like something insightful to talk about, talk to your QI. I mean, it's, it may sound bland, like while he's talking, but they're going to give you real, real ideas, real advice. They're going to open up your mind on what you can do in your exchange. I love your advice. Start finding your replacement property today before even before you start listing Mm -hmm. you know like even before your your relinquished properties listed so awesome great insights sean thank you very much uh any parting words you want to leave with us uh if anybody is looking to do a 1031 exchange and either wants a refresher on the rules or uh, wants to know what they can do in today's current environment you're happy to contact me Uh, i can be reached uh, uh uh, by phone, my main office line is, is 303-504-0144. You can email me, S-E-A-N at 1031x.com. All of our consultations are always free. Um, and you can always check us out at 1031x.com. We have a blog. We have a newsletter. Uh, we try to keep up to date and give people good information. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun and uncertain time right now to be in this industry, like I imagine most industries. So if, if you need the extra advice, we're happy to give it. Perfect. Love working with your office, Sean. Love working with your staff. Appreciate you so much. To all of those listening, thank you for joining us. And if there's someone in your life that you feel could benefit and be blessed by this content, by this information, please, 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 we beg you, share it. Leave a review and uh, let's get the word out. And until next time, Thank you and have a great day.